You're hot. We're hot. We're hot. Welcome to Orange. You glad we watched the OC where teen boys ignore every boundary ever invented so you don't have to. I'm still Sarah and this is still Evan. And today we are talking about season one, episode nine of the OC entitled The Heights. This episode is, for lack of a better word, iconic. Wait, I just opened thesaurus.com. This episode is exemplary. Let's get into it. Evan, cotton candy or funnel cake? Well, cotton candy, honestly, or obviously. Um, This episode brought to you by uh, John's USB-C to USB-C cable. Uh, Thank you, John. If there's a person who listens to this series less than Steve, it is John. (laughs) People who are doing our Wikipedia, update your sources accordingly. Um, Also, coming to you live from Dining Room Studios (laughs) on two new-ish microphones, because this one's old, but that one's new. It's definitely new and cute. It's a cute microphone. Okay. Um, Yeah, so this episode... Uh, it's called the what? The heist? The heights. The heights. <laughs> In what the heist. world do you think a heist occurred in what you just saw? Uh, well, Anna got robbed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Justice for Anna. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. Okay. So, the heights. Uh, savvy savvy view uh, real quick real quick because i have to do this because this has become sort of tradition at this point sure is the initial kind of temperature check right Mm -hmm. um it's nice to be able to actually look at you (laughs) while i'm talking to you and not have to stare at a wall um with my face crammed up against your face our walls are not very inspiring i like your face but i also like looking at your face and having like a conversation with your face. We're not pivoting to video. That's exciting. Oh god, my microphone is falling over. <laughs> oh god, it's gonna be it's 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 growing pains. Everybody. So what it's were you pains. saying? So okay, the oops. Oh god, this is fantastic. This is going amazingly well. <laughs> uh, there we go. I'm just it's it's all so new. It's exciting and new, like Love Boat. Um, <laughs> At the beginning of every episode, we'll do the traditional temperature check, right? Uh, really need to get a microphone stand. So, last episode, I mentioned how relieved I was. Uh, that would have been episode eight, right? To have had what I consider to be kind of a breather episode. Because nobody's house burns down, nobody gets punched in the face. Um, really kind of a, kind of a, calm, a calming episode. 
Do you think that an episode that opens in the breakfast nook is a symbol for a calmer episode or a signal? Oh! Sorry, I'm like smacking this thing. That's a very interesting idea because this episode opens in the breakfast nook. It does. Um, maybe that's a sign. We need a name for the breakfast nook. Los Nook del Coens. <laughs> they're, they're extremely Spanish. We'll workshop it. <laughs> no, nothing's set in stone. Um, so, yeah. Okay. The quick temperature check. I feel like this episode strikes a balance between a breather episode, which is what I'll consider episode eight, and a fucking balls-to-the-wall, batshit, ridiculous episode like episode six. Right? As, that's, that's my take on it. It is full of horny teens and horny adults. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of all the episodes that we have watched so far, we already know that the makers of this show love, love a, a, a jump, uh, sort of a... Um, a, dual, uh, a compare and contrast, yes. like, yeah, a dual um, not, experience, not bookends. Like, how would you describe that? Parallel. Parallel. Yeah, yeah, there we go. They really love similar conversations having in parallel among different groups of characters. We'll talk about that. The first thing I need to do is cut myself a piece of cake. OK, I'm back and I have cake. I feel like I should mention uh, why we did uh, a spoopy version of the opening theme song, because if you're listening to this when it airs, it's the Halloween spoopy episode. It's not in any way in keeping with the theme of the actual episode that we watched, because it's not spoopy at all, but... I mean, it is, but not in traditional heartwarming fans of traditional horror ways. <laughs> How would you say this episode is spoopy? It is spoopy towards women. <laughs> this show is spoopy towards women. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to... I'm going to start eating this cake if you want to start talking about the episode. So we open on the breakfast nook of Los Cojeños. Los Cojones? Wow. Wow. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> Don't go down this road. I'm begging you. And Seth and Ryan are both having conversations with their respective parents slash guardians about how nervous they are for school. Seth mentions that someone peed in one of his shoes once last year. I did not catch that. You didn't pick up on that? No. No? It happens twice. Were you distracted by how dreamy Ryan is? Were you distracted by the fact that Seth is wearing pajamas to school? I was distracted by... So, again, apologies to Adam Brody. Were you distracted by the bagel slicer, which was again prominently on the breakfast note? Keep going. He wore vertical stripes. <laughs> and oh my God, it's not helping his case. <laughs> At one point when Seth was doing something egregious, which he does a lot of in this episode, 
God, I, I, I won't say defend, but right last last episode, episode eight, he wasn't my villain. He is like, it's like he heard that. It's like he heard that and took it personally and was like, oh, don't worry, Evan. I will absolutely be your villain for episode nine. Um, anyway, at one point he was doing something egregiously annoying and you were like, so help me, I'm going to drown him in a kiddie pool. And I was like, he wouldn't fit. And I said, the only thing, the only body of water you could drown him in would be a lazy river. Um, also an Olympic size swimming pool. Not long enough. So, um, see, this is what I'm saying. Like the vertical stripes, not not helping. Anyway, sorry. So they're in the breakfast nook. They're in the breakfast nook. They're talking about how nervous they are for school. And Seth definitely says, um, someone peed in one of my shoes last year. Just kidding. He peed in both of my shoes. So I, I, as much as I want to have a little bit of sympathy for Seth, like we can go back to the tape if you want to. We can pause and watch the beginning again and make the listeners wait while we're doing it. No, nope, I don't want to do that. I believe you. <laughs> of course, that's a, a thing that Seth would say. He said that he studies naked last episode, Sarah. That's yeah. a completely believable thing. Why would I just believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we are doing a lot of parallel conversation having because uh, is it when they get to school when they're walking around us, uh, both Marissa and Ryan say this is a nightmare at various points? Yes. Yeah. Because they're both neither of them are looking forward to school for their their personal reasons to paraphrase something Seth said. Um, Ryan obviously isn't looking forward to school because he's going to be going to class with 300, uh, 300 Lukes, uh -huh. um, except they won't have the social grace or something like that. Right. Right. So obviously Ryan knows that he's a social outcast, um, but Marissa They're is feeling very similarly now. Uh-huh. We go to the sad bachelor apartment of sad. <laughs> where That's its official title now. Yes. Um, Jimmy does not know how to make French toast. There is oven French toast. I was going to say, you can do oven French toast. Not the way he did it. No. Because he presents hockey pucks. Correct. To the girls. And Summer, who I'm beginning to wonder if Summer has a home at all. <laughs> why is she constantly at wherever marissa is getting ready for the day and if so if she does not have a home where is she sleeping in jimmy's sad bachelor pad of sad i like pad of sad that's what it is now because it rhymes the sad pad of sad sad pad of sad marissa has to sleep on the goddamn couch in the sad pad of sad but we're getting we're, we're i'm getting ahead of myself what I'm saying is, Summer's around a lot. <laughs> and at this point, when she is presented with the hockey pucks of the French toast, she says, I don't know who I'm more worried about. And Summer, fair. Okay, so if we have the running pet theory that Seth is a werewolf, right? With a humiliation kink? Uh-huh. 
I think we have to start. Uh, I think we have to start keeping our eye on Summer uh, for her unspoken um, history or her unspoken character arc. Uh, that she's actually unhoused. She allegedly right? has a stepmother. Yeah, she actually has nowhere to live, uh, but is somehow just very carefully um, creating an image for herself that she does have a home. This is sort of, this is the storyline I'm crafting in my head right now. Uh-huh. We've never been to her house, have we? No. Have we seen either of her guardians? If no. any of her guardians? No. Okay, this will be this will be a fun one to keep our eye on. Okay. Seth, to my recollection, doesn't do anything overtly werewolfish in this episode, but on the summer end of the scale, she absolutely appears to have no home in this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Or they couldn't afford the extras or the character actors to play her. Well, parents. and in this episode, and you called it, or you 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 clocked it in the opening credits. She is a guest star in this episode. Yes. Which leads me to question, what defines a guest star versus a starring role? Because she's in this not as much as Marissa, but she's in most of Marissa's scenes. Yeah. And it wasn't guest starring Misha Barton. I think it's honestly like a contractual thing. Sure. I think when she signed up, to be on the show they had no again they had no idea how much her role would be expanded so they were like okay come back come back come back and eventually well it'll be interesting to see when she's finally in the credits as a starring starring yeah i'm I'm gonna guess they're not gonna put her in until season season two two. yeah Yeah. we still have a lot of fucking episodes to get through we sure the fuck do so we may as well continue. Um, what are some of the other aspects of their first day that they sort of uh, parallel? So uh, both of the kids are like, this is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, Summer and Marissa walk past a group of girls yes. who are talking. I love that Summer is kind of Marissa's attack dog. I do like that a lot about I, her character. I do not love that she calls them whores on the street corner. Sex work is work, Summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was 2003. I know. And, you know, Summer is Summer. I'm just going to make this canon. Summer has problematic opinions when it comes to sex work. Uh-huh. That much is apparent. And a lot of just things in she, general. Yeah, I mean, she yeah, she, she could do with some education, yeah. but... Uh, So could we all. Yeah. So their day continues as the kids are going to uh, their first day at school at Harbor Hall? Harbor Hall? Harbor Harbor House School? Yeah. What is Harbor House? Harbor House is the restaurant. Do we eat there? Yeah. Okay. Harbor School. (laughs) Harbor School. (laughs) Um, Everybody's outfits in... The styling in this episode is wild. Yeah, okay. Why is Marissa dressed in the scene that we're talking about like she is interviewing for a job? I wanted to talk about this because I was looking at a lot of the background characters, Uh of which there are a lot. There's a lot of extras in this because we're in high school now, right? Yeah. This is probably the most extras we've had 
all season easily. Yeah. Because the most kids we've ever seen have been at parties and those have been 20, 30 kids at most. Mm -hmm. This is now hundreds of kids. So this is a lot of new outfits. So our dressers got to have a lot of fun with this, right? And I do not know what fucking season it is supposed to be. I don't think that the dressers are responsible for people who are extras in these scenes. I think they're just, they put out a call, show up for this. You're going to dress like a teen regardless of whether you're 38 or not no i do not i don't think they just let any schmuck in that doesn't i think they're all of these okay, people yeah. are being dressed very very purposefully to look like they go to this school or they're chosen because they're dressing like they go to this school evan they can't afford to dress every single extra who walks across a frame it's not i think no, they can no i think they wow this is going to be a sticking point with us uh-huh I, I don't think there is a production that they don't that that they don't put people in clothes. But that being said, we both live in Wisconsin. Some and of the choices never been are on a set. fascinating. Yeah, uh, one of the ones that jumps to mind: mini skirt sweater combination. I was like, the, what season is it? The tiny tiny sweater. Yeah. Well, no, there was also a big chunky sweater. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening right now? But there's also like the sweater that has no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, purpose. this is we have to talk about Anna. Then if we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But that's way, way later. And also, I want to rewind for a second because there is a point that I fucking loved that we both we laughed out loud at in the breakfast nook scene that we didn't address. Uh, Sandrew Cohen. This is, I have in my notes, this is the most that I have ever loved him. Oh, you do look rad. Mad props, son. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Kirsten is embarrassing <laughs> Seth. Seth by saying he looks cute. He's like, no. And she's like, adorable. And he's like, no. And she's like, rad. And he's like, no. And she's like, hard. And he's like, no. <laughs> stop it, Bob. Just stop it. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, Sandy, doesn't Seth look rad? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's another great moment. That, Mad props, there's another, son. There's another really great moment that we fucking cackled at. Yes. It'll come later, though. It'll come you later. You know what we're talking about. But yeah. I'm just going to say one more time with feeling. Mad props, son. son. Doesn't he do something with his fist? Probably. Does he do like a black power fist? Probably. Or something? Um, also, uh, jump in, jump into the pods Twitter, which is orange you one, uh, and let us know what you think about, uh, this massive fight that we're having now about whether or not, uh, dressers actually do design the wardrobe for all of the extras. Um, I'm team. They do. Sarah is team. They don't, um, Help us battle this one out. Or if you've actually worked on a show like this, tell us what the fuck actually happens. Because we, we've we never worked on one like this, so we don't actually know. It's true. I would like to know, though. It sounds interesting. Okay. But are we uh, out of the breakfast nook? Are we, we're out are of the we breakfast the, okay. nook. We're back in the quad. Back in the quad. There's a lot of bumping into main characters. Um, oh, Luke wants to talk to Marissa, right? Doesn't he yeah. try to catch up with her? Yes. And she's like, fuck off. And that's the, that's the second instance in which Summer is like, fuck off. Yes. Yeah. Thank God for Summer. Like, again, she might have, you know, problematic opinions when it comes to sex work. But I really do. She shines when she is coming 
to the defense of her friend. Yes. That's my favorite. My favorite part of Summer is when she's feisty and wants to kick the shit out of people on behalf of Marissa. And there's some kind of attempt on Seth's part to get uh, Summer's attention when they're going to the classes and the whatnot. And he says, I am slowly melting her icy heart after she exits the scene. And I think you yelled at the television. I did. Why? This continues to baffle me. But, okay, I think maybe the writers are becoming aware of how confusing this plot line is. Uh-huh. Because there's no way Seth... Seth knows what's going on. He's not completely stupid, right? And that line, I'm melting her icy heart, uh, at least proves that he understands that she is not interested. All of her, all of her outward expressions... She's not interested. What makes you say that? What makes you say that he has any level of understanding of that? Oh, well. Because his actions in the rest of this episode do not corroborate. Yeah, let me finish the thought real quick before it leaves me entirely. Um, The writers, I think, are aware of the, the job they've done in confusing the audience as to why the fuck Seth Cohen is still pursuing Summer when I think to anybody's mind, it's painfully obvious she does not want to be with him. Uh, And that's when, and I'm sorry that this is jumping ahead a little bit, but Anna's speaking with him and she's trying to figure out why he's so into Summer. And his response is, I've liked her since I was 10. Yep. Right. What else has Seth been doing since he was 10? That's right. Going to anime con. Uh Uh-huh. Something. I know this is a stretch. I'm really sorry. This is a stretch, but I'm big into headcanon, right? So in my headcanon, not only is he a werewolf, something happened (laughs) when he was 10. (laughs) I'm going there. Something happened when he was 10. That is kind of a pinnacle watershed moment for him. Oh, boy. And that thing, that's the first year that he went to Anime Con. It's the year he met. Thank you. It's the year he met Summer. Something about 10-year-old Seth, something about age 10. Uh Uh-huh. Is... it's, It's the age at which he has decided to fundamentally base his character and his choices and his interests. Um, and that's what I'm going with. And that that's the only explanation they can give us. Why the fuck are you so into this person, Seth? Well, I've liked her since I was 10. Are, are 16-year-olds aware of the sunk cost fallacy? <laughs> Not when you're Seth Cohen, no. No? No. Okay. Right? So for six years, he has been pining... He named his sailboat after her. He's, you know, not content for the unrequited love. Uh, so yeah, he makes this. He makes the comment offhand to Ryan. I think I'm melding her 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 heart of ice. And no, Seth, no, you're not. No, you're just refusing, refusing to listen to the overt, overt request of a woman. 
to leave her the fuck alone. But also Summer's reactions to things that happen later in the episode are equally confusing. Yeah, we'll have to get to that. Yes. So the teens are established in the quad and on their way to classes. Then we switch back to adult town. There is... Is this the scene where are they just making out like while they're getting ready for work, uh, Kirsten and Sandy? Or Oh, yeah, we do this trope a few times in this episode. It's the busy adults um, who wish they had time for each other, but it's just their, their work lives. They just won't let them get it on. These horny, horny adults just cannot get it on because of their work lives. Is this when this happens? I have it in uh, my notes are not. I have to do it, get a better, do a better job of being sequential in my notes and or tying them together on the second time I watch through because I feel like there was a scene with Rachel before this uh scene that i'm talking about where um his phone is saying they're making out on the bed and sandy's phone is stuck in his pocket yeah and for a second i thought it was going to go to a very different place i mean it looks like he's trying to whip his cock out at one point it also looks like he's no i'm not gonna it's it's too graphic i'm not going to talk about what i thought well now i'm even more curious You can't just say that and then, and then, come on. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, okay. Because, yes, Sandy is getting ready to go to his job. This isn't quite where they talk about being ships passing in the morning. Mm -hmm. But she's like, you smell different and you look really good. Do you have a girlfriend? And Sandy's like, shut up. (laughs) And then he like tackles her. And they make out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he says, if I had known how you were going to react to me having an attractive coworker, I would have gotten one a long time ago. Now, that's when they're on the bed. Yes. Is when he says that. This is what I have in my notes as the next sequential scene. So I think all those things happen in the same. Okay. Yeah. Because he's also. Um... Oh, no, that's right. Because in the breakfast nook, he's not dressed yet. He's just come from. Uh, surfing. Surfing. He yeah. wanted to come back early to see the boys off to school. See the boys. <laughs> see Southern suddenly. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we can go into that bedroom scene. Uh, They're really going at it. Like, hot and heavy. But then, yeah, his phone goes off. Her phone goes off. His phone is Rachel. Her phone is Caleb Nickel, her father. Uh, which is going to be important later. Very important. He does not appear in this episode, but his specter looms large. Yes. Over the proceedings. See, there's your spoopy. (laughs) (laughs) It took a while for us to get these microphones set up, and we are recording this at 9.30 p.m., which is incredibly past both of our bedtimes because... We are cool and young. Okay, so we are back in the school portion of Teen Town. Yeah. And Anna's back. Yes. How does she appear on the scene? She appears mid-summer neg 
to Seth. Yes! Summer's like, I hate you, Cohen. You're the ugliest, smelliest boy in the world. I wish Mario Kart were real so you could be driving in the level with all the earthquakes and the fire, and I wish you would fall into the fire. What is she actually saying? She's saying, God damn it. She's nagging him somehow. Yes. And then Anna comes up and she says something. <laughs> This is why people keep coming Quality back. fucking content is what the people keep coming back for. Our friends in Belgium know what's cool. She says, all I remember is Summer's retort, which is something along the lines of, nope, nope, don't have it. Nope. <laughs> Great. Cool. It's fine. Anna's back. That's the important thing. Anna's uh, back. You will remember Anna from the episode about the cotillion. Yes. Uh, she was the short-haired girl. We've referred to her as the short-haired girl when I keep forgetting her name. The short-haired ska girl. Yeah. Um, ska cuffs. We had an inkling that she was into Seth during the cotillion because it turns out they have a shit ton of things in common. Um, the viewer, uh, the royal us, baffled. Fucking baffled that Seth isn't just super into her because she's cute as a button, is super into all the things he's into and appears to have an interest in him, which would make her literally the only human being on the planet that has that character trait. Uh, and Seth should be fucking all goddamn over that. But he's somehow oblivious. So she catches up with him in the hallway. Uh-huh. This <laughs> we got under her there's because of her weird, weird sweater thing. There's also a weird cat. What fight. is her weird fucking sweater thing? That doesn't show up until the carnival. The carnival, okay. Yeah. Cat She's, fight? Uh, not cat fight, but Boxy they're, boxing? They're very Summer and Anna are very around. Yeah. And this is this is the strangest thing. Anna alludes to, and again, this is absolutely one of those tropes from american television that just pisses me the fuck off uh-huh um that girls like a girl is like a boy who doesn't pay attention to them or notice what what does she say what's the quote girls Gr like to be chased by boys who pretend to not be into them here is what i have written verbatim yeah anna is back and she is agreeing to help seth women do not like to be chased by men who pretend to not be into them i hate everything about this i understand that we had to get here somehow because we're setting up a love triangle Ooh. <laughs> but this is the one time that i have agreed with seth and his motivations on this fucking show and I hate that I agree with him because he says to Anna that sounds suspiciously like a game I do not like to play games don't play games don't play games nobody should play games games no. are stupid be honest and open about your feelings but Seth's approach to Summer specifically is also bad and Evan how do we square both of these things yeah that's oh the math is not mathing it is not it's hard it's difficult um, yeah, we appreciate... Well, okay, these things can exist at the same time. On one hand, we can appreciate that Seth does not, does not like to play games. 
On the other hand, he needs to stop everything he's doing <laughs> all the time. So he just needs to be a hermit that stays home and doesn't interact with other human beings. The one game that he gets to play is the the um, PlayStation... A Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. He can play that. What's the teen movie? There, I'm sure there isn't just one. What's the What's the most well known teen movie where someone that's into? Oh my God! It's the Cyrano de Bergerac thing, kind of. No, 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 no. It's but, but, but it's Cyrano de Bergerac, but instead of Cyrano helping a person woo the person he loves, he would be helping the person he loves woo someone else. It's a It's a reverse Cyrano. Is no, that what I'm talking Cyrano. about? No, because Cyrano is helping his rival woo the person he loves. Anna is helping the person she likes woo a rival. It, so it's a reverse Cyrano. You can still just call it a Cyrano, I think. Perpendicular Cyrano? Whatever. A parallel Cyrano. Oh my god. Hit us up at OrangeU1 <laughs> on Twitter, at OrangeU1. Uh, let us know if you think it's like an upside down Cyrano, a reverse Cyrano. What would we call that? Dirty Sanchez Cyrano. But it happens pretty regularly in, you know, the teen romance genre, right? right? Yeah. Where, oh, I love you, but I'll help you try and get the person you actually love because, you know, I like you. Well, and also Anna makes it pretty clear. She says that Seth doesn't see her that way, yeah. which again boggles my fucking mind but yeah so they have a little plan she's gonna teach seth how to uh, play hard to get yeah play hard to get which christ he fails miserably he fails miserably the whole fucking show he fails miserably in the first two minutes yeah just he uh anna just change schools just change or or hit on somebody that's not seth cohen because you could do literally so anybody much else. better. Anybody. Luke's available. Yeah, Luke's fucking available. He's hot. <laughs> he reads books. He's got a plan. He doesn't read books. He, 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 when did he read a book? You gotta have a. He's been reading. That's the other thing that happens all fucking episode long is he's reading because he's somehow falling behind in his Ryan studies. Ryan is falling behind, not Luke. Oh, I sometimes get Luke and Ryan confused. <gasps> yeah. Well, I don't know. Here we are. This podcast is over. I've got ADHD and you know mild dyslexia, so I don't know. Which, and you know potentially a little bit of face blindness. So who knows whatever it's going around how yeah. dare <laughs> how <laughs> dare what do you think a pairing of anna and luke would be like i think i think luke is not destined to really be with anybody because he just wants to like Sleep with all the girlies. Yeah. Is he just sort of a wild and free spirit? Yeah. Is he just, he's, he's not one to be tamed. Yeah. Now, his motivations in this episode would have us think otherwise. But whether or not he's being legitimate, we could also discuss. But right now, we're still in the quad. Right. <laughs> We've been in the quad for about 50 minutes now. We were not in, no, this was inside the school. Oh, this sorry, the quad staircase. is outside? Correct. Okay. We've been in the foyer. Evan, did your school not have a quad? For our no, for our Belgian uh, listeners, that would be 
le foyer, <laughs> le rez-de-chaussée. Okay, so we're back at the law. We continue to not speak Flemish. The firm of law. Yeah, so Rachel is speaking with Sandrew Cohen, one Sandrew Cohen Esquire. She is rapidly becoming a total fucking bummer. It's also becoming pretty obvious, at least to me, the way I'm reading it, that what we, what we, what I thought was an old rivalry slash kind of friendship that was being rekindled with Sandy's um, hiring by this new firm. It's becoming, at least to me, and I'm curious to know your thoughts, more obvious that they're writing Rachel to be actually super into Sandy. What do you think about that? Am I misreading it? It is equal parts likely that she is either super into Sandy or just a chaos agent. Okay. It's one or the other because she remarks, she's like, oh, Sandy, when I called you earlier, oh, you sounded a little out of breath. Oh, did you just, had you just gotten up, big boy? And he was like, well, I was with my wife. And she's like, how'd that go? Did you... Did, did the train enter the station? You know, all the times that you talk with your coworkers about right? your sex life. <laughs> right? In, oh, sorry, buddy. Did I blue ball you there? Did I stop you from having the old coitus? This is how Rachel talks, by the way, Steve. Did you not get to play the pickleball? <laughs> I'm really glad you brought you. I'm glad you met me halfway there. That mm. feels really good. Mm. So, yeah, she's like... Talking about how, oh, because then she also says, like, she basically says, like, well, get used to not fucking your wife because I got a big case for you. And this is where she starts talking about the name of the episode, The Heights. Yep. So what are The Heights, Sarah? The Heights is a development above a swath of wetland that definitely exists in Orange <laughs> County. Um, and... It is not environmentally friendly, the things that this corporation, this company wants to do. They want to build a condo and a golf course and another condo and perhaps another golf course. <laughs> it's going to be a multi-tier condo Probably golf like, course. Like a Starbucks or something. <laughs> it's going to be condos that have golf courses every fourth floor so this law firm that has previously taken the cases of people who like don't want to have people in their hoa build their hedges too high or what have you <laughs> suddenly and very conveniently is like oh but we're also environmental lawyers so we're gonna take on this case that will pit you sanford which we refuse to acknowledge. She hands him the stack of papers. She's like, this sounds right up your alley. Hands him the paper. He's like, why would you think that? And he turns white as a fucking sheet when he's like, this is Caleb Nichols' company. Oh, no, what does he say? He says, this is my wife's company. And, and then Rachel she says, says, it's your wife's father's company. Which also, bitch, how do you know? Yeah. Well, I'm assuming Kirsten is actually pretty well known. I also and guess... And Caleb Nickel owns, what, like half of Orange County is right. what they said in his birthday episode. And I guess if there's 86,000 people in the town, there's... You know all of them. You know all... Yeah. It's essentially a small village. <laughs> right? Um, 
to reference what we're talking about, go to episode whatever it is, The Girlfriend. Is that episode six? That's episode six. You think everything is episode six. Isn't it episode six where everything gets fucked up? No. And he fucks his grandmother? No, that's like four. Is it? Yeah. What the fuck happens in six? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's immaterial. (laughs) Time is a rounded cube. Time is a rounded cube. Um... (laughs) So then we go back to the school and Marissa is having a very hard time because bitches cannot keep her These name. These fucking catty bitches cannot keep her name out of the goddamn mouth. These 30-year-olds who are sitting at this <laughs> table. The, you pointed out the one guy that has a full bald spot on his fucking head. Like, this is a 45-year-old man playing a high schooler. This is a PA who they wrangled because right. the person who was actually supposed to sit in this seat had mono. I was going to say had mono. Oh, my God. We have the same brain sometimes. Yeah. Mar- Marissa's having just a fucking terrible time of it. She's considering removing herself as chair of the carnival committee. Carnival committee. So we are led to believe every year as kind of a homecoming thing, uh, there is a welcome back to school carnival uh-huh. that is thrown and whatever. I think it makes sense. This is a very, very affluent school. So, of course, they would have a whole fucking carnival. Yeah. So she's been on the she's been the chair of the committee for however. What what year in high school is she supposed to be? Junior. OK, whatever. So she Senior, there was some maybe? time somewhere in the past. For her to be elected to this position by the student body. And she's considering stepping down because, um, to paraphrase something Summer said, um, you know, oh, this year's not going to be that bad, Coop, just because of all the drama with your dad and because of what happened in Tijuana and because of everything happening with you and Luke and because of. Uh, this oh, I'm not th- making it about any better, am I? Yeah, I'm not making it. A- no, of course you're not, Summer. You're pulling salt on a fucking bleeding wound. Jesus. So all this is coming to pass, and she's being gossiped about in the school. I love the way that they gossip, too. They just, like, they stare directly at her. Did you hear she almost died? <laughs> Did you hear it? Hey, did you hear that she's overdosed on Vicodin? Like, <laughs> screaming at the top of their goddamn lungs. It's like no one knows how to whisper in this fucking school. So then we switch her. She goes into Dr. Kim's office and she wants to quit everything. Oh, uh, before that, yeah. uh, when she was speaking with Ryan, they make plans to hook up and hang out after school. Yeah. And they both... Um, uh, one of them says something to look forward to. Ryan yeah. says something to look forward to. Um, this episode, <laughs> I said that it was like they only wrote half of an episode and they padded it out by having every character say the same lines um, for, for each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the different characters say exactly the same lines over and over and over again, just in different contexts, which I guess... Is a, you know, whatever. It's a hey, fun. Hey, do you guys get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it yet? Do you get that Sandy is going through the same thing that Ryan is going through? Hey, hey, do, you, hey, do, hey do you get that Ryan is going through the same thing Mar- Marissa is going through? Etc. Um, I also have 
somewhere in my notes that this parallel specifically with uh, Ryan and Marissa, I don't see, like, half the time I think they look like siblings. (laughs) And having them say the exact same thing and go through very similar traumas. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie Lee Curtis. Shout out. Um, she, she, making me convinced that they're the same person or like twins <laughs> is not going to make me ship them. And we want to ship them. The show wants us to want to ship That's them. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The show desperately wants us to want to ship them. Yes. You know, I was going to say something like neither of them is ready, but also they're high schoolers. Yeah. Know? So this kind of drama is par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. But the show wants us desperately to want them. And, you know, if I just we've been we've been cock blocked so many times from them just smooching. I just want to see these fucking kids smooch. Most of the time I do ship them. But every once in a while I squint and I'm like, right. It's essentially for me, at least uh, it's every time one of them is like aggressively petty that's what i'm like maybe you shouldn't actually be together (laughs) because both of you have the capacity for incredible pettiness but whatever again they're high schoolers they're supposed to be high schoolers so yes pettiness abounds and that's normal it's a normal part of development yes and i think another thing that we have to keep in mind regarding the high schoolerness of this is they the writers only really give them high school characteristics when it's to the advantage of the plot you know (laughs) like this is full-on soap opera yeah and we keep forgetting that i think it's like melodrama right yeah yes yeah so marissa's in dr kim's office i am happy that dr kim is back i have no recollection of whether she becomes a recurring character but she says some very astute things about kids are going to talk about you regardless of what you do and you may as well give them something good to talk about Mm -hmm. so marissa is back on the carnival planning whatever committee bandwagon which means sadly she cannot hang out with luke after class correct which ryan sorry god damn it i'm so sorry ryan i'm so sorry she cannot hang out with ryan after class so uh, it's it's a great Just shot because you want to hang out it's with Luke great, after class. He's so dreamy. <laughs> it's a, it's a great shot because um, she needs to go and do her thing. Um, Seth is off. Where the fuck is Seth? Seth is on the uh, literary magazine or the newspaper it's one of those he okay. says something about limericks and i want to yes that's right rip out his hair i remember him saying the word limerick and the only, i remember this distinctly the only thing i could focus on was the length of his torso <laughs> i'm not even kidding i was just like oh my god what is under there <laughs> So the camera sort of pulls away and we go to a commercial break. But Ryan is left with kind of nothing. And she, he's looking around and like other people have friends and other people have groups and other people have clubs and social things. And there is a very awkward close up yeah. shot of some random extras like just fully hogging down on each other's faces like it was a Sunday. Yeah. On a like, yeah, with caramel drippings. 
We come back from commercial break and Ryan is in the kitchen. And Sandy's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and <laughs> Ryan's like, you know, I, I, I have nothing. I don't have anything. You know, I have no one. There's really nothing, nothing for me. <laughs> this is the thing. This, this is, is, this is the you, part that's so fucking great. No, he's not. You're characterizing it like it was Marissa's speech before she overdosed. He is merely saying he has no extracurricular yeah, activities yeah. No, he's not, to yeah, occupy no. his time. He's moping a little bit. He's not like actually depressed. Um, <laughs> and Sandy goes, oh, you got Seth. And uh, <laughs> Ryan goes, well, Seth has his women. <laughs> and then Sandy goes, Seth Cohen? <laughs> I kind of a little bit want to start a Sandy Cohen negs his biological son count, but we have too many counts. I don't think we can handle one more. Uh, he's so disappointed in Seth. He so wishes Ryan was his only biological son. It's so obvious. I don't think that's true. No, it's not true. No. But in all things that are false, there's a kernel of truth. Yeah. A small kernel of truth. <laughs> anyway, Seth does come in at some point, doesn't he? No. Because this is where... Yes. Yeah, this is where Ryan's decide, like... Yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, because Seth, um, oh yeah, Sandy's tossing out ideas. Uh, you could take up archery. They have a great archery class. And Seth's like, what fucking year is this, Dad? It's not the medieval ages, for God's sake. What other, what other things does Sandy recommend? Fencing. Yes. That's right. Yeah, he really is just, he's, he's doubling down on like the... Um, the the, the 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 sportings that his son he <laughs> thinks might enjoy. <laughs> it is really the medieval times um, playlist. Yeah. <laughs> what about maiden saving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about jousting? Yeah. And Seth's like, no, Dad. And he's like, okay, Ryan. What did you did you ever do anything? And he's like, well, I guess I used to play soccer. Well, there you go. Right. Seth introduces the idea of soccer first. And, oh, yeah? Uh, Ryan agrees, hey, I used to play soccer. Seth introduces soccer? Yeah. I don't remember that. Were we watching this? That makes episode? me even angrier. <laughs> that makes me even angrier because we already know from his history, Seth knows everything about everyone in this school. Yeah. So that fucking means Seth would goddamn know who the fuck is on the goddamn soccer team <sighs> you're galaxy braining this i don't am i yeah yeah i would like to draw your memory back to when ryan excuses himself from an event and seth's primary focus is you could have beat up Luke, though, right? You could have beat him up. And Ryan's like, yeah, I could have beat him up. I'm sorry if I'm galaxy braining a little bit, but Seth wants to put Ryan into physical conflict situations with Luke. He engineers it on purpose. I'm, I'm sorry. 
This is I'm, an I'm audio see- medium, so you cannot see me here sitting here shaking I'm my seeing, head disapprovingly. I'm seeing through the veil. No. This is the subtext. Sweetie. This is this is the context of the reality. This is how I'm seeing it. I I, I can't got, not see it this way. Have you gotten into my stash? <laughs> Paranoia. You're you're off. All I'm saying is he would have known Luke is on the soccer team, and maybe he could have said, "That might not be a good idea, Ryan, because your literal arch nemesis not only is on the team but also has the position no. you want to take." Listen, no, none of this fits because at this point, our relationship amongst amongst the teens has vacillated wildly over the episodes, but we're in good standing with Luke up until this point, because the last episode we see him in, he helps Ryan and Marissa escape down the stairs. That's true. That's true. Well, you would think that the animosity between the two of them is starting to fizzle out. And Luke in this episode really doesn't do anything to antagonize Ryan. Luke's whole focus in this episode is trying to make time to talk to Marissa. (laughs) He's not as bad as fucking Seth Cohen. Oh, I disagree. Fascinating. But we will get get to that. Yes. Oh, very interesting. Okay. So the only note that I have for the next scene that the in adult land, this is the one where they're saying, oh, mornings used to be our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirsten and Sandy are saying this. What did Sandy do with the public defender? <laughs> well, apparently he went into the office late. But is, I mean, after a little afternoon delight, <laughs> we know a public defender. We do. She is the busiest fucking person. <laughs> like, in what world did you take the mornings You're right, off? You mornings used to be our time. What? What the fuck? In what world? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. This show doesn't like consistency in some ways. No. No. It does not. No. So this is important. Uh, Sandy does know about this case now. Yes. When he is hanging out with uh, uh, Kirsten. Yeah. And she's like, uh, oh, let's, we'll get, um, we'll get lunch later. Yeah. That'll be really nice. Uh, And we're like, yep, because she has a meeting with Caleb. Um. And so the 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 viewer knows, uh-oh, that meeting's not going to go really well. And one Sandy Cohen is going to be in some hot water come lunchtime. But that's, for, that's for him to know and us to find out. The way I picture Caleb at this meeting is like he's God because he's not actually in the episode. I don't know. I get this visual of him poking his giant head up above some clouds and yelling at his daughter. How could you take this case? I don't know. This is, this is, I'm, it's, I'm very tired. I'm just picturing his head <laughs> like a cartoon turning bright red and steam coming out of his ears. That as well. That is what I'm picturing. But above some clouds. Um, okay. So this part, this is my, my vendetta with Luke. Okay. Do it. 
Because he shows up at one point. I don't know if it's exactly here or not. He shows up at um, the sad bachelor pad of sad. Sad pad. That Yes, you're right. That is before the scene that I'm thinking of. Yep. Yes. And Jimmy. Marissa's home yes. with Jimmy. Jimmy, to his credit, is like, no, you can't fucking talk to my daughter. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <clears throat> there is a whole ass competition for the worst man in this episode. <laughs> but Luke is leagues and meters and fathoms ahead. Can we start over? This is referencing a conversation that hasn't happened sequentially yet. But can we start over? Get the entire whole ass fuckballs out of here. <laughs> Why would you show up in Eddie Haskell all over Marissa and her dad and her friends? Their dog is gone, but he would have started a whole ass dog charity to impress that dog <laughs> if the dog was still there. When Marissa has this whole time been saying no repeatedly all the time forever this is the worst boundary trampling that i have seen and like yes it leads to a conversation between luke and marissa that was long overdue and that she actually gets to speak her mind but she shouldn't have had to it shouldn't have come to that fuck you're not wrong you're not wrong I'm still later in this episode going to make a case that Seth is worse than Luke. Yeah. I'll make that case. I'm not. We can have that conversation later. I am not saying that Seth is good. <laughs> I am I'm not saying, saying Luke is good. I'm saying on a scale of who I am more mad at today. <laughs> Luke is eating that cake. Correct. Okay. This okay. is where we're at. But we really do like Jimmy in that scene. Yes. And you know what? Actually, as we think about it, as we sort of talk about character consistency and as it pertains to character development, yeah, um, Jimmy is becoming, for me at least, a much more interesting character as he sort of wrestles with his new life, as, yeah. as he wrestles with his new normal, right? Yep. Um, this is probably the most time he's actually spent with Marissa, like alone on purpose, at least in this, at least to our eyes in this entire season. This is the most time they've spent together. Right. Um, this is the most time he's spent having to kind of like interact with her. Yeah. And he's also stepping out of his comfort zone. He's trying to cook. He's failing, but he's trying, you yeah. know, which shows something. Um, it's also kind of the bar is in hell kind of <laughs> Oh, yeah, thing. for sure. Also, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. And like, it's, you know, the only reason that he has this opportunity now is because of his shitty, shitty, irresponsible, dangerously irresponsible behavior from earlier in the season. Uh-huh. So and I'm not necessarily saying this isn't in defense of Jimmy. All it's saying is Jimmy, because of his actions and because of the circumstances of the repercussions of those actions. Yeah. Um, he's getting, <clears throat> as a character, a chance to be more interesting to me. And he's able to do good things. Yeah. Every character, they... He's not, like, negligent. I'm not going to say that these characters are humanized, because I do not think they are. <laughs> but they uh, are capable of acting in unexpected ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I that and it's a it's a short scene, but it goes a long way 
in portraying Jimmy as someone who is trying to do better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And hey, for me, that goes a long way. Improvement, I'll take it. So we're in a f- we're in a lab now. Is it the dead frogs? It's the dead frogs. Dead frogs. Yeah, we're back in school. We're in dissection lab. I am gonna fucking go back to school myself so I can fucking write a thesis about these fucking tropes that <laughs> existed before this show, but. Because now, (laughs) Summer and Anna are kind of locked in this battle over Seth Cohen. And no one wants to be in this battle. And no one wants to be in the battle. It's beneath Summer, honestly. But, like, Summer, this is the second hint that Summer is actually smart and kind of cool Mm -hmm, because she's mm -hmm, like poking mm -hmm. this frog, right? Yep. yep. And she's just like, huh. And she sees Seth watching her and she goes, oh, I mean, ew. Yeah. And the thesis that I am going to write is how these tropes have existed forever. Do not dumb yourself down. Yeah. Do not dull your sparkle. No. And what infuriatingly does Seth say after she says you that's my girl that's my girl my whole body cringed which is another parallel because when Anna was walking away after she agreed to help him snag Summer Mm -hmm. he said that's my my girl girl." yeah fuck Seth no one's your girl Seth fuck Seth no one is your girl Seth your right hand is gonna dump you Seth we hate it. <laughs> we hate this. Yeah, but it's a really good point that you make because we could oh we could dissect. Ah, uh, uh, I'm pointing at her. Uh, we could dissect this scene more if we wanted to. But what did I say? This is a few episodes ago now. I think that there is more to summer than we get to see. Uh, We're being led to believe that Summer's got more interests. Uh, We already know that she was into... um, Money. Forbes. That's what I was struggling for. (laughs) Um, Right? But all of the stuff that she's... In that party scene where she's trying to hit on the finance bros, she actually knows a lot about finance. Like, she reveals a depth of knowledge about money and financing that is pretty impressive. Um, then we learn that she reads. She loves to read. She's an avid reader. Um, and that comes up when we learn about her candy striping. Mm-hmm. Um, we've learned we've learned other things here and there about Summer and sort of her interesting, um, her, in, her interests, her deeper breadth of interests. Um, so if I'm going to galaxy brain Summer a little bit here, part of me wonders if, the whole dumb girl, you shallow, you know, hangs out with the cool kids sort of affectation isn't kind of an armor that she puts on because she's afraid of losing her social standing if she appears to be smart and curious and interested in things beyond shopping and partying. I think it is possible to be both things. Sure. But I think that culture decides that you are one or the other. Yeah. And you can't you can't step out of your lane. Right. Yeah. 
By the way, Goldfish, the manufacturers of Goldfish, stay the fuck in your lane. <laughs> what the fuck? Vanilla birthday cupcake? Stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop it. Okay. I had to get that off my chest. Did you? I obviously. In in this format? It happened. All right. What other platform do I have? <laughs> How else are people in Richardson, Texas, going to know that I disapprove of the marketing strategies of one, the Goldfish Company? (laughs) How are four people in Richardson, Texas, and one person in California going to know? Moving on. Sorry, please. Yes, moving on. Something that I keep forgetting when I talk about how little patience I have for the avenues to conflict that they're using, Ryan is thinking that Marissa is getting back together with Luke because Mm -hmm. he sees them talking together and doesn't stick around to figure out what the actual conclusion is, and Marissa being coached not to tell him by summer that I was a teeny, teeny, tiny baby Mm -hmm. when I watched the show for the first time, and these tropes were genuinely new to me and i yeah. didn't have the amount of cultural consumption that i do now and i'd only seen this performed 60 times at this point as opposed to 10 million mm-hmm. so like no just tell him slash her is a thing that the audience is supposed to be shouting yeah at them yeah yeah oh really quick we do need to finish up something um in the laboratory scene yeah because anna takes this opportunity to attempt to make ostensibly make summer more jealous of seth um or of her because uh she says uh so first she snags uh seth for herself as her lab partner yeah because summer said seth you can be my lab partner and then you can do all the work for me uh and anna's like nope he's spoken for and seth says yep i am betrothed and it makes me want to slap him in his fucking eyeball so then um anna takes it upon herself to uh, play doctor, kind of, like surgeon, yeah. right? She says, scalpel, Cohen. And Cohen's like, But yes, she pronounces it scalpel. Scalpel? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Details, little details. Um, and it's all, it's we are led to believe it's all part of the plan to get Summer interested. But, but I also think, you know, and it, this would play out later in the episode. Part of Anna's motivation is to just spend more time with Seth. She, However misguided that is. She states, she says that there's a conversation with Ryan that we haven't gotten to. Exactly. Yeah. We when Because we, the viewer, haven't seen that conversation yet. Right. All of this stuff where she's like volunteering to be his lab partner, you know, uh, Seth thinks is an entirely in service of their little ploy. Yeah. When in fact, Anna just wants to be his lab partner. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we're at the soccer practice. Yup. Cause. Ryan's first soccer practice. We're kind of, no. Yeah. Because this is the soccer practice. There's So there's a few soccer practices. And there's a couple of things that we have skipped over before we've gotten to that. Because um, I already glossed over um, fucking Luke finds Marissa 
after one of the soccer practices and is like, baby, can so we So do you want to go there? Yeah. Yeah. So Steve, we've already established Ryan goes to soccer practice. He sees that Luke is there. Uh, the coach is like, what do you want to try out for? He says, striker. Okay, great. Go stand next to Luke. He's team captain and also our striker. See, we sort of covered that because you were yelling about it. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we've established that. Yeah. So uh, we've also established that Marissa has decided to continue uh, her role as the chair of the carnival committee. So um, she is also. Oh, that's right. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, the parallel of something to look forward to. Yeah. The line first spoken by Ryan um, and then uh, because when Ryan and Marissa had plans to meet up after school um, as an excuse for Marissa not to continue her role as the chair when she does continue the role uh, she says something to look forward to because she says if you're going to be doing soccer then we'll be getting out at the same time so we can meet up afterwards which is where after soccer practice it is Luke who goes to the room where the committee is leaving. Correct. And finds Marissa and has his little moment. Despite, again, again, despite the fact that Marissa wants less than nothing to do with him. Yeah, she wants negative thing to do with him. She would prefer to go to Mars. Yeah, she would prefer, she would prefer to have a time machine and go back in time and stop his parents from fucking. She would prefer to lose her legs and go into the ocean like the Little Mermaid. She would prefer to sell her hair to a French woman and die in a boat like Anne Hathaway. I'm, I'm doing what? like I'm doing like a lame is thing. I don't know. She died in a boat. Was it a boat? I don't fucking know. I thought it was like a canoe. Maybe I, I was misreading that. No. What? Anyway. <laughs> She does not want to talk to him, but Luke is like, baby girl. Right, I'm going to force you to talk to me anyway because I don't like listening to women. I don't like listening to women. And also, I will offer, I am the James Corden of apologists for my behavior. (laughs) I did nothing wrong. Let's start over. Can't we just start over? And you can see that Marissa is very temporarily conflicted because he says... um, what does he say? He says something about not, loving her. No, I did not read her as conflicted at all. I was, I read her as holding that punch and waiting, pulling it, and then just landing it. Landing it when she really wanted it to connect because she says, because Luke's crying. Yep. And Seth, because Seth sees Ryan. Ev- no, I'm talking about Seth because Seth gives him shit for crying he's like oh he cried oh oh yeah 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 because yeah. seth cannot see anything beyond the gender binary yeah no he's very very gender essentialist and boys are not supposed to cry fucking seth cohen fucking seth cohen anyway <laughs> yeah luke is crying he's apologizing he says can't we start over um, I blah, still blah, blah, love blah, blah. you, blah, blah, blah. And Marissa says, do you know what the shitty part is? Except she doesn't say shitty because it's Fox. <laughs> if I hadn't caught you, I would still love you. Yeah. And then she drops the mic. Yep. And leaves. 
And then sets the room on fire. When she leaves the room because she is expecting to meet Ryan, who, of course, was watching the whole time from outside the window of the room. Because this is where my little speech comes in out of order. This trope, I'm just so done with this trope of some of i mean whatever i'm just it's fine it's totally fine i'm sure it's going to continue to happen over and over and over again in this show and i've just got to make my peace with it it's just going to keep happening in every show and whatever i have to make my peace with it i will say however that i really do enjoy any time a program decides not to fall into this trope but yeah he watches he thinks they're getting back together he leaves we were not in the business of innovation in 2003 no that's very true we were not reinventing the wheel yeah um, this mousetrap remains very much uh, antique. So uh, Marissa drops her microphone with the slap in the face remark, uh, goes out into the hallway expecting to find Luke. We see. Ryan. Sorry. Thank you. God damn it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fuck. They're just white guys. You know, um, she sees a, a door at the end of the hallway, a jar swinging as if someone had just furiously walked through it. And she doesn't see Ryan anywhere, and we go to commercial break. If someone someone had furiously wrist cuffed through it. <laughs> oh yeah. Triumphant return of wrist cuff, everybody. It's back and it's 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 inconsistent. Got an it's attitude. Not in all the scenes. No. No. Ooh, I wonder if we, we could go back and watch the scenes that it is in and see if there's like a mood Does associated it give him with it. Power? <laughs> I was going to say, is there like a mental state of Ryan's that is associated with wrist cuff, you know, with yeah. the wrist cuff binary on or off? So now we are at the soccer scene. Yes. Now we're at the soccer scene. Because Marissa has come to practice to see Ryan. To see Ryan. And she stands next to Luke and they're talking and Ryan sees her. He beholds them talking. And is infuriated. Yeah, he's just livid that she's standing next to Luke. Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. But again, also, Summer, for some reason, told Marissa not to tell Ryan about anything that happened. Yeah. For some fucking reason. Narrative functionality. Yeah, it's so blatantly in service of this narrative and not actually realistic at all, which is a little aggravating, but whatever. Ryan. 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 Violence, not necessarily always the answer. It is often the answer, but not necessarily in this circumstance. Ryan, my guy. My little 27-year-old baby. (laughs) My tiny protagonistical ball of angst. (laughs) You can't sweep the leg, Johnny, every time Marissa is in the same vicinity as Luke. But I will provide my own counterpoint. Because what happens, Steve, is Ryan takes Luke out, essentially, while they are both going for the same ball during practice. And this is the shortest distance from Achilles' ankle to the Achilles ankle being deployed because <laughs> Luke is like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was late. I'm tape. I was taping my ankle. We don't think that Ryan hears this, mm-hmm. but Ryan takes him out at the ankle, right at the ankle. 
right at the Achilles heel. So to provide my own counterpoint to Ryan, 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 that shit was awesome. <laughs> but this is the, is this the first unprovoked Ryan violence? Like unphysically cons- provoked. Right, yeah, because norm yeah because his rule is usually punch if someone that he likes is in danger and this is a circumstance well okay if we really want to be like metaphysical about it we could stretch it's a stretch i'm for forewarning this is a stretch okay you have been stretching get ready so much this is the saltwater taffy stretch coming up okay oh, are you ready prepare baby. yourself gird those loins this okay the stretch is this <laughs> could he think if they were getting back together luke is just going to hurt her again so to his mind maybe this attack is in defense of marissa no, no. I, I, I obviously i was saying it it no. felt wrong yeah, yeah no he just wants to hurt luke because he's angry he wants to hurt Luke because he's angry that he doesn't get Marissa and that he thinks they're getting back together. Ryan angry, Ryan smash. Yeah, yeah. No, even as I was saying it, I was like, this doesn't hold a fucking ounce of water. Sure doesn't. So he sweeps the leg. Luke seems to be fine. The coach is like, get in my office, Atwood. Yeah, and it's a whole big to-do. And then it leads directly to the conversation with Sandy. Sandy has gotten the and this seems I don't know I'm working through this in my head in real time right now Kirsten was the one who had the most uh, reservations about taking uh, Ryan on as a kid in their home because he had the most potential for violence Mm -hmm. so like it's really just a kind of heartstrings grab to have Sandy be the one mm-hmm. delivering mm-hmm. this speech. Mm-hmm. And this speech is very heartstrings grabby because he's like upset. You can't handle stuff this way. You got to find another way to get your anger out. You're going to be faced with these kids for the rest of your life. And then he says, Sandy says, we're always only one mistake away from you being taken away from us. Yeah. And that seems to get through to Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he does a he does a great little thing at the end as Sandy is leaving in sort of a moment of levity because that was a very heavy conversation. But it also drives the point home. He says, uh, I'd like to because uh, Ryan has been suspended for two games yeah. uh, for sweeping the leg. So he says, I'd, I'd like to see you play. Um, and. The, Sandy says I'd like yeah, to see you Sorry, play. did I say Ryan? Yes. Yeah, Sandy says I'd like to see you play. Uh, he'd like to see Ryan play. Um, and to the audience's ears, at least to my ears, that's like, Sandy, dude, Ryan, Sandy is telling you he wants to be your dad. Like, he wants to actually be a father figure for you because who goes to see their kids play soccer? Dads do. Dads. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a, it's a powerful scene. Because 
I think it does get the message across to Ryan that he's got to he's got to hold this shit down. But it also clearly communicates to Ryan from the perspective of Sandy, hey, I'm in your corner, not just not just to give you a leg up and to try and save you from the penal system, but also because I want to be your dad, you know? So like he doesn't come out and say it, but like, you know, he says it. This scene is also a really good example of what I'm referencing when I say these characters are teens only when it's convenient (laughs) for the plot and the writers to have them be teens. Because, like, random outbursts of, like, being mad at kids on your soccer team and getting violent with them is a very teen thing to do. Mm -hmm. And not being able to explain yourself is also a very teen thing to do. But Ryan is also like a trained therapist in other episodes. (laughs) And like, what? (laughs) Pick a Ryan. (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) They're incapable. I'm sure episode 10, he'll be a completely different Ryan. He's going to go to the moon. This is where I'm I'm astronaut Ryan out the moments of consistency to try and build these characters in my head. So then we have another sexy scene between Kirsten and Sandrew. Where, when is this sexy scene happening at the pool? Are we already there? Yeah. Are we already there? Yeah. Are we already there? We're already there. We have been taught if we're not. Oh, well, we didn't say this though. Their lunch date. Oh, the where things day. really sort of blew up. Yeah. Okay, Steve, sorry, we have to go back a few scenes. So do you remember where they had a lunch date? And you don't, Steve. Sandy hadn't yet told Kirsten about the whole thing going down. So she shows up uh, for the lunch date uh, and she's got a bag lunch for Sandy that she just throws at him because she came from the meeting where she learned about this thing. He says, at least it's not coal, which is a very weird thing to say. Yeah. It's not. It's not, it's not Christmas. No. You're Jewish. Um, it, yeah. He does not confirm that it is not poop. That's true. It, it could be poop. Just a big stinky log. Yes. So they have a big fight <laughs> because obviously Kirsten... From Kirsten's side of things, she says that they're going to protect the wetlands. They're going to save 350 square yards or whatever of fucking natural space. Yeah. And Sandy's like, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't account for the damage that's going to happen to the water. Kirsten absolutely voted for Trump. (laughs) She's so fucking dead. No, she's just terrified. She's petrified of her dad. That's Mm. that's the real thing. Mm. She's so petrified of her dad and the influence that he wields over her life and mm. her finances and all of her resources and uh. her stability. Honestly, I think that she's in her dad's corner because he is her dad and because she wants so desperately to be approved of by Caleb. I'm just going to keep making truck backing up noises. Okay, that's fine. Uh. I, th- I think I'm right. Um <laughs> I think she's saying things that she doesn't even necessarily believe in that argument where she's like, we're going to protect him. Blah, 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 blah. I think she knows for a fact that Sandy is probably in the right on this one. My point is we haven't been given any other characterization of Kirsten that would lead us to believe that she is parroting talking points that she doesn't believe. She's a blank slate. Mm hmm. 
She's a white lady. (laughs) Do you know what we know about white ladies? What do we know about white ladies, Sarah? We are going to white lady. (laughs) So that's the bit of context for that. We have to talk. Yeah, we had to acknowledge that fight before we can go to their second sexy time, which is in the evening. Um, Sandy comes home from a long day at the office. He's got flowers. Yep. Solomon Burke is playing, and I am pretty sure that someone at Solomon Burke's label called and said, hey, do you think you can fit Solomon Burke into your series? And they were like, no, wait a second. The parents probably like Solomon Burke. We we can shoehorn it in there. Because it was a very pointed mention from (laughs) Sandra Cohen. He walks through the door. I love me some Solomon Burke. I sure do like the cut of this Solomon Burke's jib musically. And it's a very on-the-nose song. They love an on-the-nose. Like I a, want their house yeah. so fucking bad. Because she's in their infinity pool. She's got her arms up on the edge, looking out over their beautiful view. The sun is setting. And you can tell that she's thinking. She's got a big glass of wine. She's done some thinking. A full glass of wine, which is very funny to me. Well, you have to know that she's been drinking wine. Right. Um, He comes. They have a conversation. They smooch a little bit. He's like, I've got to take this case. I have to do it. You know it. I think I may have ovulated a little bit when Sandy said I'm all man. (laughs) Yeah, because Kirsten says, well, I couldn't stay married to someone who wasn't a man. And he says, well, I'm all man. And I was like, <laughs> I do like when he says, you know, I've been pissing you off for 30 years or something like that. You know, yeah. Why would I stop now? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's I want to say that this is a really good example of a pretty healthy relationship. Like they have conflicts. They have other people coming into their orbits who are also sexy. <laughs> if you think Rachel is sexy. I think yeah. Caleb Nichol is sexy, but we've been over that. We have been over that <laughs> a great deal. I mean, Rachel, I could, I, I could, you know, it's, I could take her leave. Yeah. Whatever. The highlights are too chunky for me. <laughs> it was a very chunky time for highlights. For we, highlights? We don't like to talk about it. <laughs> it was a, I'd yeah. say it was dark days, but it was it was highlight days, so they yeah. weren't dark. And yeah, yeah, I get it. Thank you for acknowledging that terrible, terrible joke. It was a very funny joke. So we're finally at the Ferris wheel scene. Oh yeah, that's right because um, the adults are kissing, and uh, while they're smooching, she's kind of Kirsten's kind of pulling on Sandy's tie, and, she, and he's like, "Are oh, you gonna?" Get oh, uh, he was like, uh, she was like, "So all the kids are at the." All the kids are at the carnival. And he's like, oh, I've heard that. And he's like, you coming out of there? And she's like, oh, you coming in here? Oh, no, 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 no. And they're, they're noozling on their noses a little bit. And, they're and sm- then they both smooching. get phone calls. And then they both get fucking phone calls. It's Rachel cock blocking and it's Caleb Nickel cock blocking. But it's fine. Who I'm starting to think are in concert with each other. They're like working together to cock block. They're the actually coins. just like sitting on top of the house. <laughs> watching them. <laughs> all right go for it this scene the ferris wheel scene oh shit steve we forgot to to mention that ryan is afraid of heights 
This is established at the very, very beginning when he and Marissa are talking about what they want to do on their on their date that gets canceled multiple times. Also, I don't actually believe you were cotton candy in the cotton candy slash um, funnel, funnel cake? cake wars. Funnel cake is so dry. Honestly, I think I'm cotton candy. I really like cotton candy. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I know I really, I seem like a funnel cake person. Yeah. It's just so dry. It's so dry. Or it's way too oily. I like dry and oily. That's why you married me. <laughs> I managed to be simultaneously very dry and very, very oily. So we open the carnival scene with a scene that I unovulated. <laughs> you unovulated? I ovulated. Your eggs ran back they, up. They just kind of, yeah, they ran back up that hill. <laughs> Your ex made a deal with God. <laughs> because uh, Seth and Seth Anna God are playing fucking ball. Yeah. And he's obviously like acting like he knows more about skee-ball than Anna does. Yeah. And Anna gets a perfect score. Yeah. And he says, what does he say? Do you want to say it with me? He says, you Well, clearly, clearly you're, you're a lesbian. lesbian. Seth. And you're still going to come to me and say Luke is worse than Seth in this episode. Defend I yourself. I didn't say Justify that yourself. Seth was good. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I guess it's not... comparing shitty apples to shitty apples at yes, this point. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, clearly you're a lesbian. Cl- I just want to. Oh, this is also, we can talk about Anna's outfit on this one. Yep. What the fuck is happening on with this whole thing up in here on this day? It's like a mock turtleneck with like a band with like a mini around crop top no it's like it's like she has a mock turtleneck and on top of it is a tube top uh-huh and it's the strangest thing and there's a tiny skirt yeah attached and knee-high boots yep so confusing we we are confusion i'm so confused it's fine it was the 2003s and there's again we're uh, bringing Ryan back to sage relationship advice giver. Yep. As opposed to, you know, teen, because this is where the plot needs him to be. Seth excuses himself because he won a prize. Or no, he, what, he says he should go he win got, a prize for summer. He got his ticket, so he should get a prize for summer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Anna's like, fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, do it. Do that. And Ryan comes up. And she's like, he doesn't see me that way, blah, blah. He like, what did she say? She's like, he sees summer and he sees boobs. And hair and hips and yeah. lips. Yeah. And he sees a lab partner. Yeah. When he looks me. at me, he sees a lab partner. Yeah. <sighs> and yet she is called a lesbian by him. And ultimately she decides to... Smooch ponds. Yeah, Ryan. What does Ryan say? Ryan says, kind of parrots the thing that she said mm-hmm. about uh, girls not liking guys who 
are interested in them. Yeah. And he's like, Seth has no games. He has no ability to be chased or negged or that's the yeah. general yeah. direction of the conversation. So she goes up and she's like, hey, Seth, I have something for you. And he's like, what is it? And she smooches him. She smooches him hard. It is a long ass smooch. It is a satisfying smooch for the watching. And who sees it but Summer. And Seth is like, oh, 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 is this all part of the plan? I, I can use this against Summer? And Anna's like, yeah, yeah, you, I guess that's what it is, you fucking idiot. Yep. <laughs> Go to fucking Summer. And he's like, great. Oh, I got this for you. You got a sock monkey. Sock monkey. Sock monkey for her. <sighs> Boo. Boo. So Ryan's whole reason for coming was to have a grand gesture uh, and talk to Marissa, who is just about to get on the dun 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 Ferris, Ferris wheel. wheel. Yeah, this Ferris wheel scene is in my bones. Yeah, <laughs> it is in my DNA. <laughs> it is who I am as a person. <laughs> my pronouns are dreamy and doe-eyed, <laughs> and also the barf acting. Everyone is so good in this scene. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, Ryan and Marissa aren't like the best technical actors, but they're so consistently good at just kind of lighting up when they see each other. Yeah. Did you notice this throughout this episode? They're yes. Like their eyes change. It's so yeah. adorable. No, they yeah, they do a really phenomenal job. Of, yeah, it's like you said, the acting isn't, sometimes the acting is phenomenal. Yeah. But it's never usually when they're saying anything. It's but, when they're just looking at each other. But it's, it, it, I think Ryan is good across the board in this scene. Yeah. Oh, in this scene, they do a great job. Because he's, they're on the Ferris wheel. Yep. He's scared. He takes, he takes Summer's place. Yep. What he says, um, he says, may I step in or something? And Summer says, I'm not getting involved or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And walks away. Uh, and Marissa's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. So they go up to the top of the Ferris wheel. I interrupted you, didn't I? Anna has paid the carny 10 bucks to keep them in the air. In 2003, 10 bucks was basically the down payment on a house. <laughs> so they're up there. Ryan is petrified. <laughs> it is so cute. It's like the ricketyest fucking goddamn Ferris wheel in the history of Ferris wheels. This is like... This is like John Ferris's original fucking wheel. This thing is so goddamn old looking. So he's um, delivering this speech to her and he has to close his eyes for most of it because he is so scared of being up high. And his general sentiment is, I don't trust people, but I want to trust you. Mm -hmm. Which is why he got so mad at her earlier for lying by omission. Yeah about oh yeah we didn't we sorry steve we're jumping all over the place earlier they did have a fight uh marissa sneaks into the boathouse in the evening when ryan the is reading house. the pool house sorry um because another thing this show loves to do is interrupt ryan when he is trying to further his education yeah yeah no one wants ryan to graduate <laughs> least of all the fucking show that he's on um 
anyway, she's like, "What? Well, yeah, this is after the confrontation with Luke. Um, she's like, what the fuck was that? And he's like, what do you fucking mean? And she's like, blah, blah, blah. Why are you lying? And he's like, why did you lie? So they do have a confrontation. They have a bit of a falling out. And he's like, well, this isn't going to work. And she's like, I know it's not going to work. And that's what leads to the Ferris wheel scene. Yeah. So they did have a fight. And now this is Ryan making up for his being kind of a bonehead. Yeah. And at one point he starts yelling. He calls her Cooper, which is adorable. Mm -hmm. He's like, Cooper, what kind of fucking Ferris wheel did you get (laughs) for this joint? (laughs) And she knows he's scared. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of living, actually, that he's as scared as he is. Yes. Well, because she's never really seen him this kind of physically vulnerable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's kind of, you know, in a lot of these scenes where a male character is apologizing to his female love interest, you know, he's supposed to do something that puts himself at a disadvantage, uh, you know, to show that he's being vulnerable. Right. And this is a really fun visual metaphor for that. She's got the upper hand because she's fine on a Ferris wheel. Yeah. And he's terrified. (laughs) The notebook later also had a, ferris wheel scene to great effect oh yeah i remember that and i feel like they biffed it from this episode i I would argue that they're very different in their execution i would argue that i'm right okay (laughs) it's orange you won on twitter do you think that the notebook's use of a Ferris wheel is similar in any way to the OC's use of this Ferris wheel? I would say that they are very, very different. Uh, I don't see Ryan climbing up a Ferris wheel ever in his entire life. He'd probably vomit and shit himself. But anyway, we're, we're on the top of this adorable Ferris wheel. We're on the top of the adorable Ferris wheel. Where he's wheel. got his eyes closed and he says, I want to make this work. Yeah. Right? He says, I want to make this work. Yeah. Like, no matter what or something like that. Yes. And he's like, I can't concentrate. I'm so scared, blah, blah, blah. And Marissa says, well, maybe we should do something to take your mind off it. Maybe we should distract you. And I celebrated because we finally, nine episodes into this goddamn thing, Get to see Marissa Cooper and Ryan Atwood smooch. And it's great. It's a good smooch. It's a really good smooch. There's a big crane shot pulling back, looking at them on the Ferris wheel as they're smooching. The Ferris wheel starts up again. They're still smooching. They're totally lost in the smooching so that when they do get to the bottom of the Ferris wheel and the carny greets them, uh, Ryan says one more time around. Yep. The song that they're using in the scene is called Paint the Silence. It's by South, and it is still on my gym playlist for when I want to pretend I am being swept across a large body of water in an establishing tracking shot, but I am actually on a treadmill. Do you, you know what? You and I have our own Ferris wheel moment in our relationship. We do. Do you remember? Yes. Uh, listener, we were at the State Fair. How long had we been together? Not few years couple years but were we married yet i don't think so okay so we were at the wisconsin state fair and they have a gigantic ferris wheel and did did you know that i was afraid of heights at this point 
Or was I doing that thing where I was like, oh, it'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. I think you were doing the thing. The thing where I was like, oh, it'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so we get up on this Do fucking thing. <laughs> All right, it'll be fine. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we get up on this fucking thing, and it goes all the way up to the fucking top, and it stops. And um, I, you you said something like, like you admitted to being like super scared or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm also terrified. <laughs> like, this is awful. Why did we do this? I was, like, holding on to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was not great. <laughs> but it's our own little Ferris wheel moment. Oh. So is that how it ends? Yes. Yeah. It ends on Paint the Silence and then, bam, we're in the credits. And it's wonderful because we finally get to see them smooch. And I think it's pretty official at this point for anyone viewing that they are an item. Right. Yeah. Now they're going to be dating. Ryan and Marissa are a couple. Ryan Ooh. plus Marissa forever. And um, on his way to the Ferris wheel, Ryan has a small confrontation with Luke. I'll only say confrontation in as much as they confront each other physically. Like they're, they're, they're there together. Yeah. And Luke looks at Ryan and then he looks behind him to see what Ryan is going towards. Oh, it's a Marissa. Oh, she's on the Ferris wheel. The viewer asks themselves, oh, is Luke going to say anything? Is Ryan going to say anything? Ryan apologizes in direct defiance of what Seth says, counsels him to do yeah. in this moment. Yeah. I believe Seth says, let that crybaby drown in his tears drown or something like that. Something, something like that. Yeah. 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 Seth is awful. Um Luke doesn't say anything, but he also doesn't stop him from going to Marissa. He kind of, there's like the manly nod. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? He's like a... Yeah. Really? Listener, I nodded. So, yes. <laughs> so, you know, we're not entirely sure if Luke is totally comfortable with this, but maybe he's starting to accept the fact that he and Marissa are over. I would just like this conflict to be done with. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Cause I kind of want to see, I mean, we know for a fucking fact that Marissa and Ryan's relationship is going to be a goddamn mess. It's going to be a fucking mess because yep. they're petty and they're childish and that's fine. They're children, you know, but uh, at least they get to smooch. There's going to be smooching, hopefully galore and I will absolutely be here for it. Nobody was at their best when they were 17. No, 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 Okay, episode hero, or MVP. Can we start with villain? Yes. Seth. Seth is my fucking villain. I fucking hate this goddamn guy. Fuck this guy. Fuck Seth Cohen. Fuck him a hundred percent. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck his fucking face. <laughs> oh my god. So this is your me last episode. Yes, correct. Yes. It's uh anything that he did, any redemption that he might have been tiptoeing towards slowly last episode, he heel turned so quickly it hurt my back. That's how fucking hard he turned. Um <laughs> Fuck that guy. Just like from the shitty advice to interrupting Ryan's attempts to educate himself 
to forcing him onto the soccer team when he knew full well that Luke was the fucking striker. Okay, that's not... He absolutely did. He did. No. He knew. Oh, my God. He gosh. knew. There's no way he didn't know. Um, to this, all this fucking bullshit with fucking Summer. Oh, my God, dude. Date Anna. Anna is a good trillion times more interesting than Summer, at least on the exterior. We are already acknowledging that Summer may have a very interesting internal life, and she may absolutely have some very deep interests and some curiosity about the world and the things that she wants to educate herself on, but she's never going to do that outwardly. If you hate, Anna is. If you hate Seth so much, why would you inflict him on Anna? Anna wants that! She's into whatever his fucking weird deal is. She's got some kind of weird fucking kink about shitty guys that like, I don't know, guys like Seth. She's into Seth. She would be inflicting him on herself. And that's fine. She has every right to do so. If she wants to dabble with a little Seth in her life, I want her to have the opportunity to do so. I'm not going to step in the way of that. I can't dictate the terms of her life. She gets to make her own decisions. But... I'm just going to I'm going to continue to double down on this summer and Seth are not the OPT, the one TP, the OTP. They're not the OPP. They're not. Yeah, you know, me. you know, you don't know me. Not <laughs> Seth and summer, not Seth and summer. Who is your villain? I respect and herald your choice of Seth. <laughs> I celebrate it. <laughs> Am I supported? Do you support yeah, me? I'm, you're supported. <laughs> I support you. But mine is still Luke. I was going to figure it was going to be Luke. It's it's honestly what tipped it over the edge for me is the coming to her dad's sad pad. <laughs> The sad dad pad. Sad dad pad. <laughs> and trying to the, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Eddie Haskell. Yeah. Uh, kids, Google Eddie Haskell. <laughs> What's the word? Sycophant. Sick yeah. Trying to sycophant his way into, yeah, seeing Marissa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hate it. Yeah. I hated everything about Can't it. Can't we start over? No. No. <laughs> no, you literally fucking can't. Would you concede that we could at least agree that Luke and Seth would make equal co-villains? We are not in the business of this is not a debate team. There's not a winner or a loser. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, you know, comparisons are difficult because the effects of their actions are nuanced. Comparisons are difficult, but I think it's who spoke to you personally in one direction or But I also another. need you to say Seth is also one of your villains. Can you can you do like a like a two-tier like Luke is your primary villain and Seth is your secondary Stop. villain? Stop trying to dictate my choices. <laughs> Fine. How dare you? Okay, then who's your hero? MV MVP. Who's your MVP? Sandy. Ooh, why? It's, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for dad's speeches. I'm a sucker for 
men caring about men mm-hmm. that if the um every choice you make is one step closer that speech mm-hmm. it really he delivered that so well mm-hmm. he does not actually appear to be g- moving towards a dalliance with Rachel. I sure hope not. I really, really hope not. It seems like there, you know, they, they didn't have any after dinner drinks this yeah. episode. Their whole thing, even though she was absolutely broaching topics that were not not appropriate for the workplace. Do they have an HR department? Right? Because if they do, Sandy should fucking be like, um, I'd like her to talk about my cock less. <laughs> Honestly, that's off-putting. And I think it's disrespectful <laughs> and highly unprofessional. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want to piggyback, but I think I think Sandy is my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every move he makes in this is just is just hero is heroic. Also, he has two excellent Seth Burns. No, oh, Seth Cohen. <laughs> oh, we got another ooh out of summer. So our, our ooh count is at what? Ew. Sorry. It's ew. Ew. Sorry. We're L. We've got our L count. Closing extraneous notes. The lycanthropy count is three. <laughs> altogether i don't care if it was someone else who peed in seth's shoes this is extremely coming down from the werewolf night behavior <laughs> oh my god i never even made that connection it really is it absolutely it is. really is yeah the you count across the series total is at we're at eight now okay and we're only on episode nine so we're almost one per episode if you average it out, but six of them happened in one episode. <laughs> so, um, gay panic count. We are also at eight. Uh, did we have any of this, this this episode? Lesbian. Yeah, he says you're obviously a lesbian. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Because he's the worst. He's the fucking worst. Yeah, you'd almost you'd you'd almost say he's a villain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just doing it to annoy do you. Do I push you? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I told you last time you could do whatever you wanted because... Readers, uh, Orange you won on Twitter. Uh, let me know I'm the worst. Uh, defend Sarah. Her choices are valid. She My gets choices to do this are anytime valid. She, any, she gets to play this any way she wants to. I really need to stop bullying her. Remind me of that. Go on Twitter and cancel me, I think is what I'm saying. Sorry. Okay. So you count is at six. Gay panic is at eight. No, they're both at eight. Oh, sorry. They're both at eight. That's right. Six in one episode for you. Yes. So I think that is everything that we had to cover. So I'm super glad that I called it last episode that Anna's back. Uh, We have yet to introduce new characters from the school. But now that we have established that Ryan and Marissa are an item. So that's check. We've got that done. Good. Um, We can focus on drowning Seth in a well. Fuck. It'd have to be a deep-ass fucking well. (laughs) Head first, you know. 
Although I guess, yeah, what do they say? A baby can drown in an inch of water. Yeah. So there, we could we could drown him in really anything we want to. Yeah. A bowl of jello yeah. if we wanted to. Uh, I'm looking forward to more more school drama. Um, and they uh, they said, uh, what did Sandy say? He said that this litigation could take a few years. So I'm very curious to see if that is the case or if uh, true to form, uh, they rectify this plot point in the next episode or two. I was going to ask you what your predictions were for that. I really hope Caleb Nickel comes back. I hope that he gets in a fist fight with Sandy. <laughs> it's not probably going to happen, but. Do you, do you miss fist fights? I miss Caleb. Mm. I want Caleb to come back. Yeah. I want him to, I don't know. I want him to speak gruffly. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to judge his daughter. Um, other thing. Do you... This is an impossible question to answer because it's hindsight. Mm -hmm. But, like, are you actually happy that you kind of clocked Anna coming back? Or would you have preferred to have been surprised? Because the one thing I said to you before we watched this episode mm -hmm. was this is the most leading previously on that has existed. I think and it I know was, you yeah. normally don't like spoilers. I think it was the previous previously on from episode eight where they brought her back with her confidence co line. And I was like, oh, and is absolutely coming back. Okay. Yeah. No, I felt very justified. I felt vindicated that I had picked up on that little bit of foreshadowing. Okay. But would you have preferred to have been surprised like by not no, I it think uh, I think the previously on, uh, and we talked about this before we watched the show. Uh, I think the previously on is um, is there for a reason, you know. Yeah. Honestly, I consider the previously on part of that episode. You know, okay. it's kind of like a it's it's like a glossary of terms almost. You know, like oh for you know uh, for the context of this, it's like. Um, um, citations, you know, at like yes. the bottom of the page, you okay. know, sub one, sub two, you know, like you'll yeah. remember from this episode, Anna sailed to Tahiti, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Because I do have ADHD and a memory like, you know, a cardboard box is full of holes. So I am going to be And as we go episode to episode, because this is back when television had 30 episode long seasons, there's going to be shit that I forget. And I will appreciate the previous Leons reminding me of those things gently. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So when are we going to go get our matching confidence Cohen tattoos? <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, what I want is um, I want to I want a perfect photographic re recreation of the smooch on the Ferris wheel. Uh, I'll get it across my entire back. Just a back piece. Yeah. Just a giant back piece. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fantastic. You don't want Caleb Nichols? Uh, I'll get him on my ass cheek or something like that. All right. I'll get him sort of looking at my crack, you know, like, mm -hmm. interestingly. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No. Maybe that's gauche. Disapprovingly? Maybe. <laughs> Disapprovingly? You love it when he nicks you. <laughs> and then the next, on my resume, I can say, um, <laughs> Caleb Nichol disapproving of my sphincter. <laughs> As a reference. <laughs> California, Sarah. California. <laughs>
You just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched the OC, recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios, hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and questions by Sarah, recorded by Evan, edited by Evan, uploaded by Sarah. Please give us as many stars as the platform you're listening to this on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2022. 